0: If you have a copy of God's Word, turn to the first book, the book of Genesis, and I want us to spend these moments um, looking at, at a man, um, a believer, and how he responded in moments, two moments especially, but in moments of questioning. Uh, he questioned the situation that he found himself in. He just had a ton of questions, or it was a situation where a ton of questions must have rolled through his head. And so uh, we look in Genesis chapter 17 and Genesis chapter 22 um, with the man, Abram, whose name is changed in Genesis 17 from Abram Abraham. His name is Abram, and uh, that is uh, great father. And at this moment uh, in Genesis 17, uh, he has already gone through a number of situations. Um, Genesis chapter 12, God called him out of a land to another land and said, Hey, go to this land. And I will bless you, and I'll show you where that is. You just saddle everything up and start on the trail, and I'll show you where you're to go. Genesis chapter 15, God takes him outside the tent and says, uh, Hey, Abram, would you please look up into the heavens and uh, start counting the stars? That's how many kids you're going to have. And at that moment, he had zero kids. And he says, God, I, you want me to count the stars? I mean, Eleazar, my servant, is going to get everything that I have. He said, no, 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 no. You are Abram, father, a great father. Something occurs at the end of 15 and 16, and uh, he takes it into his own hands what God was promising him, and then we get to chapter 17. And um, I want to read for us in Genesis chapter 17, the first eight verses. And, um, And let's just see how Abram responds in some uncertain times and uncertain situations. When Abram was 99 years old, 99 years old the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am El Shaddai. I am God all-sufficient. I am God almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you, and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you, and I shall establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant. Just pause for a second. How long is everlasting? It's forever. Always, right? Thousands of years have taken place between that promise and this moment. An everlasting covenant. To be God to you and to your offspring after you, I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be there God, have you ever found yourself at a crossroads and you just, maybe you don't voice it out loud, but but in your mind you have a conversation with God. And you can't see how in the world this situation will ever have any glimpse whatsoever of some positive outcome. Have you ever found yourself like Jonah? God says, hey, do this, and you want to get 180 thousand miles away in the opposite direction of what God wants, and so you take it upon yourself to go down to a ship, down in the bottom of the ship, away from everything. Maybe you've found yourself pleading like Jeremiah. Oh, but Lord, how in the world can this happen? I'm but a child. Or you find yourself like I did. Um, and Moses, Father, how in the world do you want me to stand up and speak to people for a living when I hate talking? Abram, in Genesis chapter 17, right after the verses that we read, when God says, hey, Abram, I'm changing your name. You're going to be the father of a great multitude. I mean, kings are going to come from you. Not one king, multiple kings. Multiple lines of kings are going to come from you. And you know how Abraham responds back to God? You read the verse 9, 10, and following, and here's what you would see. Um, God, why don't you just take Ishmael, Father, why don't you just make Ishmael great in your eyes? Would, would you please just do that? I'm okay with everything that you have given me. Just just, just use Ishmael. And God says, um, no. It's not going to be Ishmael that I bless. Don't worry, I'm going to take care of him. But from you and from Sarah not Sarah from you and Sarah there will be a blessing and at the end of this conversation between God and Abraham Abraham laughs at God God are are you serious I'm going to be a hundred years old and Sarah's going to be 90 years old. Are, Are you serious? And just laughs. Situation number one, we see in this moment of questioning, in this situation of questioning, Abraham laughs at God. So let's look. At this situation, then we'll fast forward, not too far in the future, and see how he responds to a second crazy request. As we look at it, uh, let's go back and let's see the people involved in the moment. The the first is an introduction of a name. It's the first time in Scripture that God has shown Himself and given this name. The name is El Shaddai. Amy Grant sang a song named El Shaddai. And um, I know that song because um, when I was just a young little boy, I was taking piano lessons and I was terrible at piano. And the reason I was terrible at piano is because I did not practice piano. Okay, Um, I thought I had better things to do. With my time during the week, then practice piano, but my mom and dad bought piano lessons, so guess what I did? I went to piano lessons, but little did my mom or dad know that uh, when I got to piano lessons, um, we didn't play the piano after about the third week because the piano teacher knew that I wasn't practicing the piano. So the piano teacher was also a voice teacher, and she said, well, all right, if you're not going to practice, guess what? You're going to sing. And you're going to sing for 30 minutes, and you're going to sing for 30 minutes, and you're going to sing for 30 minutes. And when piano recital came, I sang. And the song that I sang was El Shaddai. And my mom, she was just taken aback because it was a total surprise to her that I was singing instead of playing the piano. I didn't take piano lessons the next year. I don't know why. El Shaddai, I am God most high. I am God almighty, all sufficient one. Just just to hear, think about it in, in the conversation. Here is Abram. He is talking with God. It's not the first time he's talked with God. It's not the first time that God has talked with him. He knows the voice of God because in Genesis chapter 12, he moved him some 1,100 miles. In Genesis chapter 15, he brought him outside and told him to look up at the stars and said, hey, count them if you can. That's how many descendants you're going to have. He knows his name. And God comes to him and says, I, I know you know me as, as this name as Elohim, but let me just disclose another attribute to you of who I am, just to remind you of how great I am. I am God Almighty, El Shaddai. God Almighty. God Almighty is my name. And you are going to sit there or stand there In this conversation, and you're going to question me and say, why don't you just let Ishmael be good in front of you? Why don't you just use Ishmael? God Almighty. The name literally means all power, all majesty, all weight. God Almighty. And Abraham, in that moment... Questions God. Charles Spurgeon, in writing about this episode, or this account, Spurgeon states this, Hear ye, then these words, If ye also have been at any time distrustful, and let them sink into your souls, I am God all sufficient. If any of you are tempted at this time to do what is questionable because you cannot see how God's promise to you will be affected without it, the Lord tells you He wants no help of yours to achieve His own designs. I Am God Almighty, saith he. Is anything too hard for him? As 2020 comes to an end and 2021 begins, uh, maybe there's some questions that you have. Maybe there's some questions about uh, the culture that you and I find ourselves living in the midst of. Maybe there are some questions uh, about the career, about the family, about health, about life. And maybe in your personal life, there is just some fog. And you're like, how in the world am I going to get through this? How in the world can this year, can this Time can this season have any promise whatsoever the same promise that he stated to Abraham and the same name that he declared to that son of his he has declared to you and to me I am God almighty you and I don't know what's going to happen on Thursday of next week you and I don't know what's going to happen the Thursday after that or the Tuesday or any other day in the future. We, we don't know. But there is one who stands in those days and his name is God Almighty, All-Sufficient. I will walk with you through this. I have promised this. I have promised, as Paul stated it in in Corinthians, right now we see through a mirror that is dark and dim, but one day we will see him face to face. And in a moment we'll be like him. Abraham stood in front of God Almighty in that moment. His fear changed to faith. Look at the oath that is given to him. The promise that that God gives Abraham goes back to Genesis 12 and Genesis 15. And now once again, he states it in Genesis 17 and he brings Sarah into it. And the promise is through Abraham and Sarah and their offspring. And as he states that oath of it is through this offspring that I will bless you and there will be kings, plural, coming from you. Verse 15, And God said to Abraham, As for Sarah, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah. Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? Just to pause for a second. Um, I'm not 90 or 147 and 48 at our household, me being the older. Do we really need a toddler? Oh my lands. Oh, crazy. I said that the other day, and I said, what I really need is some sleep. That's what I really need so I can think straight. Shall a man a hundred years old and shall a woman 90 years old bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. God said, No, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant. God Almighty will establish my covenant with him, an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. As for Ishmael, I've heard you. Behold, I have blessed him, and I'll make him fruitful and multiply him greatly, and he shall father twelve princes, and I will make him into a great nation, but I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. In that account, at that moment, Abraham wasn't standing very strong in faith. Abraham was was wobbling a little bit, I would say. And there are days when I think you wobble and I wobble. And there are moments when, after that, I'm sure that Abraham wished, man, I wish I could go back to that day and just just trust him. Just trust him. I, I've trusted him before at that moment. And I, I, man, if he would have come on Thursday instead of Tuesday morning. whoo, I hate Tuesday mornings. We don't know when he's going to stand in front of us and ask us to, do this or stand there in this moment. So we have to be prepared if it's a Tuesday morning or whatever morning we don't like or if it's a Thursday afternoon, whenever it is. And I'm grateful to have a copy of God's Word or multiple copies of God's Word to be able to go back and read how men and women in history, how they responded. Good? And not so good. And know that, well, if I responded bad last week, God gave Abraham another opportunity. Genesis chapter 22. Another questionable moment. And how did he respond there? Just to set it up, a year has now passed. Probably about 14 or 15 years have passed. From Genesis 17. It had taken a year for um, Sarah to have Isaac, and now Isaac is more than likely in his early teenage years. In Genesis 22, my second favorite chapter in the Old Testament, my favorite chapter is Isaiah chapter 6. But Genesis chapter 22, my second favorite in the Old Testament, reads like this in the first eight verses. After these things, after what things? After Genesis 12, when God told him to move 1,100 miles. After Genesis 15, when he took him outside. After Genesis 16, when he listened to Sarah instead of trusting God, and he took Hagar, and they had Ishmael. After Genesis 17, when... Uh, He questioned God in the moment after he went down to Egypt and took up toward his home and he told another king, hey, this is my sister, not my wife. You know, after these things, after some good days and some rough days, after a four-letter word called life happened. After these things, Abraham... Uh, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, listen how he responds, here I am. He said, God said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. How How far is the empty space between the end of verse 2 and the start of verse 3 in your Bible? It's not very far. There is a night that happens in between verse 2 and verse 3. But there's not very many hours because read verse 3. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey And took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to a place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, pay attention to what he says, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship. And literally it states, And I and the boy will come again to you. Now I know in the translation that I'm reading, the ESV, it says, I and the boy will go over and come again to you. But it is a Plural, I and the boy will do this, and I and the boy will come back. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went, both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, Jehovah, Jireh. Jehovah, Jireh. God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. In this moment that we see where any of us would have thoughts rolling around in our head. Okay, I know that I've heard God's voice before. I know what He sounds like. I know it was Him that was talking to me, but He just told me to do what? He he just told me to go outside and look at the stars and that this boy, Isaac, would have kings from him. He just told me, I know it was him when he was talking, he just told me that it was through the the son from Sarah and myself that that is the covenant, an everlasting covenant and that same voice, it wasn't a bad connection. That same voice just told me to take that son and offer him up on an altar. Just me, I would have slept in that next day. I would have I slept in. Uh, the roosters would have been crowing and I would have been putting my head underneath the pillow. I would have been shuffling my feet to say, okay, if I, if I just hold out, I might hear him again and he says something else. Not Abraham. Not, not this time. After these things, after the whole line of tests that God has had in front of Abraham, Abraham responds in faith. I want to close this evening just talking about faith and giving you three elements of faith of faith and test that that you and I see out of Genesis twenty two and faith. Uh, the first element in faith's test is this. It, faith and the test that uh, faith brings they vary. They vary. The first time that we see Abraham, it comes in, he comes in in chapter 12 and he passes the test. The test was move 1100 miles, move away from father, move away from everything that you know, move away until I tell you to stop, you move and he passes. Then there are other tests day after day, there are some other tests that are very small and there are some other tests that are medium sized, there are some other tests that he thinks, man, this is a final test and at that final that he thought was a final, he failed it with Hagar and Ishmael. And God said, no, that wasn't a final. That, that was just a pop quiz. And you got another test, and then another test. And we get to chapter 22, and we see this test. Abraham, take this boy, your only son, and offer him up to me. So in essence, what, what's really the test? The test is this. Do you love me more than you love your son Isaac? Let's put it for us, okay? Do you love the blessings that I give you? Or the blesser? Because He has blessed us. I mean, There's no question whatsoever. He has flat blessed us. We are blessed. Do we love the blessings... More than the blessor. It's a similar question that Jesus asked the scribes and the Pharisees in his day when they said, um, when they were questioning him, and he said, "Man, y'all, y'all, this is North Mississippi loose translation." He said, "Y'all are crazy. Y- y'all, y'all put a promise on the gold." Of the temple and not the temple. Y'all put a promise or a higher command on this aspect than on what is of substance. God is greater than his temple. The Sabbath was God's. And you have put this rule and this regulation, and you have forgotten the greater of the two. Have we? Have I? Have you? The first element in these tests, we see that faith's tests are varied. Some days we see some hard ones. We see some hard ones um, in our family relationships, and we see some hard ones in our job. Some days we see some very easy ones. Love what uh, Warren Weersby states about faith and its test. He says this about our faith: our faith is not really tested until God asks us to bear what seems unbearable, until God asks us to do what seems unreasonable, and our faith is not really tested until God asks and expects what seems impossible. It's very easy for us to follow God until He asks us to do something that we don't want to do. And at that moment, He's testing our faith. Hey, Brian, why don't you go over there and talk to that person? Oh, Lord, it's, it's a... It's a rough time. I mean, they're all busy and they're doing this and they're doing that. No, Brian, why don't you go over there and talk to that person? Hey, Brian, why, why, don't, you, uh, why don't you just wait a moment before you make that move or that decision? Lord, the, the, the road is wide open. You can put your name in those things. Until he asks us to bear something that seems unbearable or do something that seems unreasonable or expect something from us that seems impossible, that is when our faith is tested. A second element of faith and the, the test, the target of faith's school and the test, there is the promise. can just imagine for three days, Abraham walking with Isaac. When I was in seminary, I asked uh, the professor as we walked through this and everybody in the class, there were about 15 of us in the class and it was just, all right, just talk about the, the passage and ask some questions. And my question in the group that day was, do you think Abraham and Isaac talked for those three days? Do you think, if so, what do you think the topic was? A great professor immediately said, well, what do you think? And I was like, no, I wanted the answer from you, not from me. But after studying more and thinking about it more, I think that... Every step that Abraham and Isaac took, Abraham was pouring into Isaac how great God was. Isaac, I need, I need you to know something, son. The only reason that we are walking at this moment is because long before, lo- long before you have ever walked on this earth, God called me out of idolatry He called me into a relationship with Him. He has provided moment after moment. This God is good. He is so good. You know Him. He's good. You've heard Him. You've heard me talk about Him. He is good. Every step of every moment of those three days. I believe that He was just reassuring Isaac. The goodness... And the promises of God. And at the moment, day one, Isaac didn't know anything about it. Day two, Isaac still didn't know anything about it. Day three, when the twine came out and he was bound, it was a moment maybe that's where you are right now, you just feel that you are bound and there's no way out. Might you and I understand that El Shaddai, Almighty God, and Jehovah Jireh is present right here with you at this moment, just like He was there. And that the test of your faith and my faith In these moments that are varied, and also that the target of the test is the promise that He has already stated to you. The promise, you will be like me. There will be a moment and you will be like me forever and ever and ever. We long for that day. Third element. As we close. The third element is this. The end of faith school sees his provision. They get up to the top of the hill. He's bound. Uh, Abraham takes the knife and he is about to come down. And God says, Abraham, Abraham. And he says, here I am. I'm I'm right here, right right where you told me to be. I'm right here. What? And he said, "Uh, I now know that you love me more than you love the boy. Don't hurt him. And he turned around and he saw a ram in the thicket. It's not in the verses, this is Brian Tillman. I may be totally wrong and when I stand before him, if I am wrong in this, it won't be the only thing that I'm wrong in. I totally get it. But I personally believe that God put the ram there before he went and told Abraham, hey, Abraham, I need you to do this. And I need you to go take your son Isaac and I need you to Offering on an altar to me. And the reason I say that is because long before he spoke the world into existence, he had a conversation with the son and said, Hey, son, I need you to be a propitiation for Brian Tillman. I need you to take his place. I need you to go and die on the cross for us. And that conversation happened before God said, and let there be light. God is not a last-minute God. He, He is one that knows every minute detail and has worked it all out long before the need arises. So no matter if it was the moment before or if it was four days before, Abraham lifts up his head and sees a ram in the thicket and takes Isaac off the altar. Jehovah-Jireh. Longview Point, might you and I be reminded tonight of God Almighty. And might you and I be reminded in 2021 and beyond of Jehovah-Jireh, the Lord will provide. Heavenly Father... Thank you for sharing with us a multitude of attributes and a multitude of names that we stand on your promise from your Word. Your Word states that you are God Almighty. There is nothing, there is no one who is mightier than you, has more power than you, God, you are in control even when we think there is chaos. Chaos in our family, chaos in our nation, chaos in your world. You are in control and you are working every second to bring this, all of your creation, to the fulfillment of your plan. Thank you. God, thank you that you provide God, you provided for us 2,000 years ago before we were even thought of, before our parents and our grandparents and our great-grandparents were even thought of. God, you provided a way to you through Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for paying the price for me, for us. Thank you for being resurrected from the dead and alive, that we too might have life. Thank you for the promise that you have not forsaken us, that you gave us your spirit. Thank you, Father, for the promise that one day, oh, one day, soon and very soon, you will call us home. And we will be with you. We will walk the streets of gold. We will bow before you. We will join in with the angels and the host of the saints, and praise Your glorious name, El Shaddai, Jehovah Jireh, Adonai, Yahweh, Jehovah Nisi. Over and over and over and over again, because You are worthy of our worship and our praise. Father, might we begin to practice even now. I ask it in Your Son's name. Amen.